Hello and welcome to the Energised Monday Night Football Podcast, the show that talks of all things football while we are in lockdown. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Okay guys, so how are we feeling about updates in the football world this week? Well, obviously we've had the news this week that the Champions League is suspended. Um, I think that's expected. Um, I mean, every other bit of football is expected to be suspended for a while, so it's no surprise that the Champions League is suspended, but also just another another kick in the teeth while we're already down, I think. What do you reckon, Matt? Yeah, I think the, the odd thing about the Champions League is that they don't seem to have a plan. Like, it's not a, we're suspended and this might happen next, or this is how we might sort it. It's, um, it is suspended and that's the line. There's nothing else. They're not saying, oh, we'll try here, we'll do this. There's just no plans for it at all at the moment, which is um, odd. Because um, you'd expect that of FIFA, right? But maybe not so much of UEFA. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, to be honest, it wasn't the biggest surprise when I saw that. I was like, oh, tell me something I don't know. Like, I don't... Obviously gutted to see it suspended. It's such a big tournament, but it's zero surprise with everything that's um, going on at the moment. Um, something that I did did catch my eye though is the number of clubs that are laying off staff who are non-playing staff or um, or handing out redundancy notices, furloughing people, um, or however you pronounce it, new word that I've learned this week, and still paying their playing staff full wages. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, the thing is though, for every negative story like that, there is a positive one of players taking pay cuts and uh, making it happen so that um, people can um, stay employed, still get paid, things like that. Um, so, so it's a weird balance. I mean, the, the problem is with football is in the end, it's the footballers that bring the money in, right? Um, but the companies. Uh, have got to keep going and football clubs have got to keep going as well and so they've got to do this furloughing they've got to do the money cuts and all that sort of thing to make it happen I guess yeah I've seen something this week that um, I think it's Juventus have all taken a like percentage pay cut which has been huge that's saving them like millions of pounds a month um, which is yeah it's really good just to help the 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 economy go keep going in this really strange weird time I think it's um yeah I think it's really positive to see these role models taking the initiative and um and and taking a pay cut which is I think the right thing to do. The good thing is the um Premier League um compared to like UEFA and that they they do have a plan or they have plan seems to say, it seems like they've got plan A B C and D. The newest plan they've come up with is this World Cup thing that they're going to maybe try in July where they play all of the remaining games for the Premier League um, in like the Midlands and London and get it all done really quick behind closed doors. Wow. But they've said that every single game will be te- televised. Um, so it's almost like we need to be in lockdown then so we can watch all the games. <laughs> I mean, realistically, let's be honest, they only need to play two games, Liverpool versus Everton, Liverpool versus Man City, league done, sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, one of the things we were going to talk about this week was um, our team of the decade. So we've been thinking over the last week who our best players were from 2010 up until 2020. We've had some great players in the Premier League. Um, And um, so I thought maybe we could say who are our top four players that we would get into that starting lineup. Who who would you um, have in there from thinking back from the last uh, 10 years? 
Yeah, it's, it's funny going like the whole 10 year thing because we obviously we've done a little research and looked and, and you think, you know, big names come to your mind straight away like Ronaldo and players like that. But Ronaldo left Man United in 2009. Wow. So he so he's not in the last decade, so we can't include him. There's other players that you that people might think of, you know, like your Frank Lampard's and your Steven Gerrard's. Yeah. But we all know that they were they were at their prime pre-2010, really. Yeah. Um, so, um, Nick, who's your first pick? Okay, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to start at the back, and I'm going to go with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, and I think I, I don't think there's any one of us would disagree with that. He's just absolutely phenomenal right back. It pains me to say it, obviously, Matt, you're a Liverpool fan, it pains me. I can see you smiling as I'm saying that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, he is he is world class, and the fact that he's English as well is a bonus. And he's like twenty years old. <laughs> he's the best right back in the league, in the world right now. Maybe yeah, you know, I'm not stating that definitely, but he's up there, and he's twenty, twenty one years old. He's nowhere near his prime. I'll tell you what, Nick, I do completely agree with that. It's strange to think that he only had one season, really, in the Premier League in that decade. Like His breakthrough season was the 18-19 season and obviously the first half of this season. Um, but he's just been phenomenal. I just can't think of another right-back who's, um, who's anywhere near his level in the last 10 years. So, um, so, yeah, totally agree with you. Great. So, Luke, who would your first choice be, man? I think I'll put Vincent Company. If we start at the back, I'm going to put um, Vincent Company um, at centre back. I think he has been a world class centre back for Man City, um, a leader on and off the pitch, and such a monster for any striker to face against. He was excellent, and uh, to win the league with that goal last year was um, amazing. Like, what a way to cap your career. Do, would you still put him in, though, even though he's so injury prone? Because if, if we actually played with this. Um, this dream eleven, then he'd be he'd be on a stretcher within five minutes, wouldn't he? <laughs> it's a good point. Was he injury prone um, earlier on in his career, earlier on in the ten years? Because I'm just thinking about company at his best. But you're right, he was quite injury prone. Um, to be honest, I can't remember how injury prone he was back. You know, thinking twenty. You know, when he first joined Man City. Um, was he out quite a lot then? Um, I don't know, but I think if if we're going for like players in their prime at their best, I'll go company. But you're right, on a practical basis, you'd need a decent backup um, for someone uh, like him if he's uh, he's not going to play week in, week out, is he? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, all right then. Um, Matt, who would you put in? Who would be your first pick? Yeah, so sticking with defence, um, I can't believe I'm going third in defence and I'm the person saying the name Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> um, there is... There's, there's just there's what? no argument, is there? This guy, he's he's the first defender that anyone has really gone. Oh yeah, that guy should win the Ballon d'Or, and actually was close against you know the likes of Messi and Ronaldo. Um, you know, no def no defender comes anywhere near him. If we think about the 2018-19 season, he went 36 games without um, anyone even like touching him. Like no one ran past him. Like it's crazy. Yeah, um, there's just there's no argument, is there? I think um, one of the things I've noticed about the impact that players like Virgil van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold have had is that they've made playing as a defender quite an attractive thing for young people growing up. It used to be, for me, it was like being put in defence. It was like uh, it wasn't really what you would aspire to, but um, they've made it a really attractive and exciting position to play. I don't know if you guys have seen that as well. 
Yeah, this is it. He's he's just he's popular. He's fun. He's a laugh. But he he just plays consistently well. But what I also love is that players like we talk about Trent and and you could say Robbo on the left as well. And um, you know you can look at Gomez, who's a young lad. Those players are consistently better when Virgil Van Dijk's there. And it's because he he rubs off on people, so I think he's he's just superb. So yeah, without a doubt, he's in, he's got to be in the team. Nick, who's your um, second choice, mate? Okay, I'm gonna go up top, and um, I'm gonna go for a striker. Um, arguably, um, as good in the ten years before this as well. But I'm gonna go with um, Didier Drogba from Chelsea. Um, for me, just prolific goal scorer, scored in like every competition just a reliable solid striker I think for Chelsea throughout his, his whole time there and um and what a way to f- sort of finish his career when he when he finished off Bayern Munich in the Champions League final um yeah I think what's great about him is he he came back to Chelsea right yeah and then even like so he, he'd done his big thing he scored all those goals he'd been unreal and then he came back and he did it again he did it again. Yeah. And like who who goes back to their team and plays? You know, it happens rarely. You know, Ian Rush did it um, back in the nineties, but it doesn't happen very often. I have to say, as a player and as an Arsenal fan, I really, I really disliked Drogba for some of his antics on the pitch. But as a person, I really respect him. He was such a role model for uh, for uh, for Ivory Coast, and actually played a real role in um, in bridging a lot of political divides there as well yeah that's true yeah and the thing is like if you look at Drogba he, he's, he's he's big and strong yeah he shouldn't be that fast yeah like, he shouldn't be able to turn like that he shouldn't have the the acceleration like his body shape and size that's just not just doesn't make sense but and yet he still does it so yeah I'm, I'm totally with you Nick go on Luke who's your next choice mate Okay, my next choice is a left back who um, who played for Arsenal and Man City. Um, I'm going to put Gael Clichy. Um, I don't know about you guys, but again, this is a massive player, really physical, and um, and was so quick at getting up and down that wing. Um, so um, so one of the first like forerunners of the attacking fullback. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm putting Gael Clichy at left back. Are you sure you want Clichy over Evera? Because for me, Evera had it all. Um, Clichy, I, I don't know. He, he was a bit hit and miss at Arsenal. I think. I mean, he was he was in a good team at Arsenal, um, and had good players around him. I don't think he's shone for me. And then at Man, when he went to Man City, just didn't do overly much for for me. I, I would have Evera in this team over Clichy. Matt, what do you think? It's interesting because obviously both Clichy and Evra were very, very good players. Um, but when was the last time Evra won something with Man United? That's, True. You know, Man United haven't... I mean, they won the Europa League under Mourinho, right? Um, so, yeah, he, he, is, he has been playing. But I wonder whether Evra's best years were towards the end of the last decade. I, look, because he's still, he's still playing now, right? Or he's just retired. So I think he's... Yeah, maybe you're right there, Nick. But then they're both... Good players. I mean, let's be honest. In 2020, we'd we'd all put Robbo there, wouldn't we? So, <laughs> go on then, um, uh, Nick. Who's your next player? Okay, um, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Gareth Bale. Throwing a bit of a spanner in the works there. 
He was at Spurs until uh, twenty thirteen, yeah. I think. Yeah, twenty thirteen. And um, but he just carried them. Although they didn't win anything, and um, it it gives me great joy to say that they haven't won anything still. Um, he just was a phenomenal player, which then led him on to go and play for probably arguably one of the, well the world's best club um, in Europe. Um, now at Real Madrid and hit some terrible form recently, but at the time that they signed him was unbelievable. What's funny though is, well, at Real Madrid, he's gone and won trophy after trophy, and like you say, he's bad form. Like even when like in Spanish press and that they were like riding him, he scores one of the greatest Champions League final get goals that we've seen in years and against Liverpool. But it was still unreal. That I mean, let's be honest, the the keeper. Um, made some mistakes in his concussed uh, state, apparently. But it was like, the overhead kick, particularly, was just brilliant. Um, but he, he left in 2013. Was he doing his unbelievable, brilliant stuff at Tottenham? Or has that happened, realistically, at Real Madrid? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I think what got him signed was how well he played at Spurs. Yeah. And so he's got... I mean, I remember just the the pace that he had at Spurs, the the dribbling skills, the cutting inside, different players literally turning defenders inside out. It just was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I actually, I remember watching that Champions League game um, with you, Matt, and Luke. And we were on Luke Stagdu in the Peak District and we went to watch it. And yeah. um, just the best goal you've ever seen in the Champions League final. Yeah. Um, with with Bale's um bicycle kick was it by you? The bicycle, yeah, bicycle over kick. kick, bicycle kick, yeah. The the first one, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Just a reminder, this guy started off as a left back. Yeah. And he scored all of these goals as a essentially as a striker. It's it's crazy. Okay, let's keep going. Um, so my next pick, I'm going to go to a striker. Um, I'm going to go, thinking about the last 10 years, I don't think anyone has scored as many influential and important goals as Aguero for Man City. Mm. You think about that, you know, that commentary where they were drawing and um, without, you know, they weren't going to win the league, right? And then Against QPR. Yeah, and then that goal in that extra time. Balotelli, Aguero! <laughs> It's just you, that one. That one, exactly <laughs> that one, Nick. And but he's done it season after season consistently. And, you know, I think one of the only other players that scored goals as consistently as him is 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 Mo Salah. But he's only done it in the last couple of years at Liverpool. He didn't, he, you know, he didn't mm. do it at Chelsea when he was there. You know, at the start of the decade. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, he just scores goals at the right time. Similar to Drogba, I guess. He he moves. He's fast. He nips at people. You know he knows how to he knows how to do it, doesn't he? And that, um, yeah, that that goal though against QPR to win City the league that literally sends shivers down my spine every time <laughs> I watch it. Like even when I just did that silly bit of commentary, then like I felt it again that moment. Like it's just probably the best moment yeah. I've seen and witnessed as a football fan. Luke, yeah. what do you think? Um, yeah, and that moment I got to witness watching the game with my Man United supporting friends when I was at uni, and it was hilarious. It was one of the best things. The silence in the room was like palpable, and I was just sitting there smirking to myself. It was unbelievable. Um, you just couldn't. It's the kind of thing if you were to write a script about it, it would be you. You. It wouldn't even be believable. Like winning 
two goals, scoring two goals in the last three minutes, it was was unreal. So what a way to win the league. Yeah, the last time that I think that something like that happened was um, in the nineties when um, Liverpool were playing. I think it was Arsenal, and it was it was between Arsenal or Man United who would win the league. Um, and Liverpool went from one nil behind to go two one up to beat Arsenal, um, and that gave the title to Man United. Mm. Um, so wow. it doesn't happen very often. So I think it is it is um, real special when that sort of stuff happens. Um, Yes, go for it, Luke. Uh, Anfield 89 as well. <laughs> Not that we were alive then. But, um, but yeah, at Anfield and the last minute of the game, uh, Thomas scored a goal to win the title for Arsenal. Arsenal needed to win by two goals at Anfield. But um, you're right, it very rarely happens. Had to get that one in. Great. So that's, that's some of our, like top choices just some honorable mentions we had in our in our thing in our thoughts we had Kante we had Suarez controversial character but you can't deny he scored goals we had a uh, Czech as a goalkeeper our biggest midfielder we were thinking Yaya Torre lots of big big names um let's finish off though with a bit of a different question um Nick you're a, a referee I one am. day one day you're going to referee the world cup final right hopefully yeah Come on. That'll be good. So um, I'd love to hear um, your biggest horror story um, <laughs> as a referee, please. Okay. Um, well, I've got I've got a few. And um, I think one of them was a real local game. Um, so my neighbour used to run a, an 11-a-side league and um, used to get lots of teams, sort of like these 15, 16-year-old lads come and play. Uh, against like grown adult teams sometimes and um, it was at a local school and I, I hadn't done it hadn't refereed there before and he just called me up saying Nick I need some help tonight could you help us out and he was like there's never any trouble they're always fine and I just kind of went yeah there's 20 quid in it for me um, so um, yeah that'll be like I'm, I'm, I'm well up for that um, so got to this game 11 aside game only half an hour each way. The first team is a 16-year-old like team, um, group of lads from school. And the, the team that they're against um, has some teachers um, of the lads um, on the other team. So um, imagine you're, you're at school, you're 16, you're playing against your teachers. You're going to wind them up a little bit, aren't you? Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, and the lads just kept winding up this teacher. They kept just clipping his ankles. They kept giving the fouls. And eventually... Um, in the second half, this teacher got so annoyed that he turned around and punched one of these kids straight in the face. Amazing. And then immediately there was like a 22-man brawl. Um, and this game that um, the guy, my, my friend Joe said, oh, it's never any trouble, then turned into a complete bloodbath. Um, there was ripped shirts everywhere, blood everywhere. Um I just kind of got myself out of the middle of it because I re I went in immediately to try and break it up, but then had to get myself out quick because it was just, just so messy, and um, ended up abandoning the game after I'd sent off um, I think eight players and cautioned six or seven. Um, it was just crazy. True, I know I've heard this, but I don't know if this is right. But is it true that for referees, there's like a savage pleasure in sending people off? <laughs> Definitely. Well, listen. You love it. Listen, I um, I love what I do. 
<laughs> and um, it is my job to apply the laws of the game. And um, part of part of what I do is discipline. I'm not going to say that I overly enjoy it, obviously causing um, pain and discomfort to another player. But um, I would just say that it's part and parcel with the role that I do. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but you also absolutely love it, don't you? Well, that's it for this week, guys. Um, we hope you've enjoyed listening to the Monday Night Football podcast. We will be back next week with some big questions. We're going to be looking at who are players of the entire Premier League era. Era? era? What's an era? Era are. Um, and yeah, we'd love you to join us. So we'll see you next Monday night. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.